Two brothers, 12 years apart, a few states away, and one shared love for Houston Astros baseball. You're listening to the Stros Bros Podcast. Hey, Astros fans. I am Jared Huntley. I'm Brooks Huntley. <laughs> and you're listening to Stros Bros, a very professional Houston Astros uh, fan podcast for sure. Right, right Brooks? Professionally syndicated, yes, sir. Making professional, as making they come. moves out here. Yeah. Professional as they come. I spent a lot of time preparing for today's episode, uh, meaning I watched a lot of Astros baseball. That's that's been my preparation. So, yep. Uh, actually, actually been I able to watch come uh, out this year. Go ahead. Yeah, I I took the extra step and watched a lot of Astros baseball as well as uh, spent a lot of time on Astros Twitter which for better or for worse shapes my opinions of the team. Um, mm. Yeah, it's been nice. It's been good to be able to watch a lot of games lately. Um, I think it's been a little odd having this like every Thursday off, and I think that's about to end. They're about to play 17 in yeah. a row starting today. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah, yeah. that that every Thursday off thing has been interesting. It's almost like a, a trend. My, uh, my 10-year-old son – uh actually just said the other day he said he asked me basically like why are they why don't they play on thursdays because he started picking up on the pattern and he's like why why astros don't play thursday and i was like you know what buddy that's a great question i don't really know (laughs) that's yeah they're just giving them a day off but yeah no more no more off days for a while so nope Well, uh, I I wanted to kind of lead the charge on this episode. I think you've done a lot of the show prep in the past, and I decided to ease the burden. Uh, So we'll let our listeners decide if this show is better or worse for me having stepped in on the show prep side. Yeah. Um, Also, I want to just recognize our live studio audience. Uh, So that's exciting to have that for the first time, that we've got a live studio audience in the background, uh, Mom Mom Huntley. So uh, definitely pretty, pretty cool. She can't hear me, can she? She can't hear what you're saying, but uh, we're shouting out <laughs> Mama Huntley back there. Uh, oh, and now she's going to come over. A uh, beautiful smile from Mama Huntley. There it is. There she is. There she is. Are you yeah, it's, uh, it's great. It's good that we have – she's oblivious. She has no idea what we're talking about her. But, um, All right. Yeah, go ahead, let's, man. Let's jump in. Let's move on uh, to, to our first segment. I, I wanted to talk about just – the overall state of the team. I think uh, a lot of the, the podcasts and, and Astros content creators that I follow, this has sort of been the collective deciding time to be like, okay, we have a good sample size of what this team really looks like this year. Of course, it's still relatively early and you know we don't have the final look at the team, but we have a pretty good idea of what this team is made of at this point. Um, I wanted to get just kind of quick opinions from from you and then I wanted to voice some of my own about you know, really, from a bird's eye view, what is this team looking like? What's our overall outlook? How do we feel about them? Yeah, I mean, I feel pretty good about them. I think it's a really long season, and I still think that this team is one of the favorites to win the World Series. I think we've got proven winners on this ball club. They're veterans. Uh, they know how to do it in crunch time. Uh, like, as you know, I, I know I think we're going to talk about them in a little bit, but as flashy as the Rangers look, I would still hands down 10 times out of 10 take the Astros over the Rangers in a seven game series. I just think they're more experienced. I think the Astros have better pitching. 
despite, you know, losing Verlander and all the injuries we've got to the pitching staff, I believe, at least as of a few days ago, we had the best ERA in the major leagues. Um, and so I just, you know, I think at the end of the day, uh, once we get, you know, Urquidy back, um, you know, we get a little bit healthier, um, you know, this team is set up to be able to win in the playoffs. And so, um, you know, obviously, uh, I think if there's one thing that would be nice to to acquire before the trade deadline, it would be a frontline starting pitcher. And then I would feel great about this team if we had a, yeah. a starting pitcher one. So, yeah. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to touch on that a little bit later because I think there's a lot of interesting questions surrounding the starting pitching on this team. Uh, and that's something we're going to break into soon is, is JP France and Brandon Belak and kind of what they've been doing. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I think my, my overall sort of opinion on the team right now is, I know what they're capable of. You know, we've seen this kind of this team with this DNA and what they've been able to do over the last six, seven years. Um, they always seem to get the job done. I, I feel like every single year about midway through the season or a quarter through the season, we're always wondering, like, is this the beginning of the end? And it just never is. Uh, they always mm-hmm. seem to pull it together. And in the same way that the Astros are statistically a really good team, uh, in late innings, it feels like they're really, really good in the second half of the season too. Uh, yeah. They just tend to really turn it on the closer they get to October. Like they're just built for it. Um, but I will say, dust, it consistent... takes Dusty until July to find the starting lineup that works. So, well, yeah, exactly. And we can. We're actually going to flip the script today. We're going to do everything we can later on in the show to talk about things that Dusty might be doing right, and we're going to. Wow. We're going to dig deep, and we're going to compliment the great Dusty Baker. Uh, we'll get there I like soon. It. I like it. Some my op- overall some, take some optimism. Exactly. Yep. My overall take is that the the offense is uh, struggling a lot. It's very inconsistent, and I don't like to watch that. The starting pitching depth has been challenged a lot, and that's not fun to watch. But like you said, the pitching continues to perform very, very well, barring uh, Rafael Montero. And I think this might be just a, a case study in, you know, can a team that is built to hit in October that doesn't necessarily hit great in the regular season but seems to be really clutch, and then an elite bullpen, can those two things win a World Series? And I think they probably can. Uh, my, my general feeling is that we're going to do what we do and probably win the division, and, you know, barring something crazy happening. But I think – if we end up going uh, back to back, it's going to be because of our bullpen. And that's the thing that I have the most confidence in is this amazing bullpen that we put together. And and it might be such a good bullpen that it could carry us through having kind of a weaker offense and, and a weaker mm-hmm. starting pitching makeup. And I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I think that, you know, offensively, um, you know, having Altuve back in the lineup is going to definitely help. And I think if we get 900 OPS Altuve again this year, um, that's that will definitely help the offensive output because Jordan and Tucker are going to continue to hit. Uh, and so if you've got those three guys, you know, who are going to perform at, you know, an all-star level uh, and Jordan related MVP level, then I think, you know, you might not have a juggernaut of an offense, but if you can have a top 15 offense and then you've got a top three pitching staff, that can win your World Series. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'll be interested to see uh, one of the th- – I, I'm not as, I guess, 
like the the offense has just kind of been fine. Like that's kind of it hasn't been bad. It's just kind of been meh. It's fine. I mean, the reason it hasn't been bad, aside from Jordan being Jordan, is that we've had pretty good production from guys like Corey Jolks and Dubon. Obviously, mm-hmm. has performed way above expectations, and Jake Myers. And one of the things I'm a little bit nervous about is like, are those guys going to keep that up? Because a lot of times these guys will, you know, kind of start out of the gate hot. Uh, these younger guys like Jolks and stuff, but then once pitchers uh, you know, and once major league clubs kind of figure out their tendencies and they start attacking them differently, uh, they really struggle to make adjustments in the middle of the year. And so, uh, you know, we'll see, uh, if these guys are able to, you know, to keep up the production, but if they can, then I would say our lineup is not as, um, it's a little bit deeper than I was thinking it was going to be if we're getting decent production from those guys. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's encouraging to see all the guys that you wouldn't expect to step up, really step up. And and like you said, you know, as Major League Pitching figures these guys out, then it becomes, you know, baseball really is a game of adjustment. And yeah. and I think that that goes two ways as well. It, it speaks to our, our starting pitchers, our young guys, J.P. France and, and Brandon Belak. Brandon Belak's been in and out of the league a few times throughout the years. He's been at the Major League level before. J.P. France, we're getting our first taste of him. He had two really, really strong starts. Um, and then he had, you know, one kind of bad blow up start and then he came right back and adjusted. And honestly, that, that was really encouraging to watch him have sort of a blow up start and then come back out and, and sort of deal the next time he came out on the mound. Part of me is wondering if, uh, you know, he really is going to be a valuable piece of like a sort of a pl- platoon piggyback sort of situation. That was something I was thinking about as you get guys back, like uh, Jose Arquiti or if McCullers ever comes back from this mystery, mystery injury that he has, um, maybe for the sake of sort of taking care of the health of our guys towards the end of the season, you start to see something like where a JP France and a Jose Riquidi do piggyback starts. And, you know, each guy's throwing three, maybe four innings. And then, you know, the back end of your bullpen comes in and, and you're able to do something like that. Because if JP can keep up this kind of stuff, I, I wouldn't mind having him in the bullpen for doing something like that or being a spot starter and, you know, keeping the team healthy. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not expecting a whole lot out of JP France, uh, just to be quite honest with you. Uh, you know, long term, I don't, I, I want us to get our kitty back. Um, but I mean, who, who knows? Like maybe, maybe France can, you know, continue to give us some decent starts. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't see JP France really playing too big of a role in the season. And he's definitely not going to be you know, on the roster in the playoffs uh, once it comes playoff time. But, um, you know, I, I think that getting Rikidi back is going to be important. I'm not holding my breath on getting McCullers back. I think we should just assume that he's not going to be here because he hasn't given us any reason to be optimistic that he's going to be able to to come back and pitch. Um, so, uh, and then Belak for me, Belak's just, he just gets you some innings. He's just a guy. Uh, I don't, I, you know, I think he's had some pretty good luck, uh, so far in his starts. Uh, I mean, I don't know what his whip is, but it can't be good. I'm sure it's over one and a half <laughs> at least. Um, yes. so, you know, like I was, yeah, be like his, uh, I was looking at like just a few of his, you know, kind of more, um, 
in-depth stats and like his expected ERA. His actual ERA is 3.55. His expected ERA is 6.02, which tells you like dude's been getting lucky and he's been pulling some rabbits out of his hats. So I don't think he can keep that up. Yeah. Can Brandon Belak be the first pitcher with a sub four ERA and a whip above two? That's what I want to know. Is is his whip above two right now? Yeah, I don't think it is, but it could be. <laughs> I mean, it let's look at Brandon Belak. That's yeah. I don't know what it is. Yeah, let's look know. at Brandon Belak's stat line for for twenty twenty three. His his so <laughs> he has a one point le- six whip. No, that's away. That's just away games. Okay. What were you saying? His left on base percentage is ninety one point five percent, which yeah. is so, really high. He's close, man. He's got a three five five ERA and a nearly one six WHIP for twenty twenty three, which is. Not good. Just some magical stuff. I don't know how you can get away with that. How long you can get away with that? Well, but. yeah, we're uh, we are we're rolling the dice every time we throw Brandon Belak out, Belak out there on the mound. So I'm I'm just hoping we don't have to keep throwing Brandon Belak out there too, you know, too much longer. <laughs> Can't argue with the results, though. You know, if he keeps good, getting it done. No, I'm happy with no. it. I want to um, get Urquidy. I want Urquidy to come back, and then and then we need to trade for a starting pitcher before the trade deadline if we're serious about winning a World Series. So, problem is, is that our farm system depth is no, yeah. not good, not good. Well, let's let's skip ahead to that then, because we were going to talk about that later. But I think right now would be a better time. It, speaking of you know trading for a starting pitcher, yeah, I, I, there's some debate about whether or not we should do that. I would say most people would say that that's probably something we need to do at the deadline. And I, I would say, I agree with that. But as you pointed out, you know, who do we have to trade away? Uh, really the only sort of like high value prospect I can think of that we could trade and it would hurt to trade him is Corey Lee. Um, and yeah. if, if Yonder Diaz is the catcher of the future, I guess you could find a way to justify dealing Corey Lee, but, you know, he's been a prized prospect in the organization for a number of years now. It would hurt to give him away, especially, you know, people are floating Corey Lee for Lucas Giolito, which would be difficult because Giolito is a rental. And he's also he has a high upside, but he's a little inconsistent. And he's like a, a four starter when he's not on. And he's arguably like a two starter when he's on. And you just don't know yeah. what you're going to get with a guy like that. Plus, he's a rental. So is that worth right. it? Um, it could be if we want to go back to back. But what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that you need to you need to go for it um, if you've got a chance to win a World Series, um, and you know, uh, like you want to do that within reason. You don't want to decimate the farm system uh, because it's already not in great shape, and I'm I'm just afraid that uh, you know we've had such a we've had such a string of I don't know if you call it good luck, probably a mix of. Uh, you know, just excellence in, you know, the player development category with some luck. Um, but at some point, uh, we're not going to be able to keep pulling from Valdez's and Ho- Jose Arquides out of our hats. You know, like, it's just been amazing. And Hunter, Hunter Brown's like, we just keep having these guys come up and some of them are coming from out of nowhere. Jeremy Pena, you know, like you just, and so, um, 
right now the cover just looks pretty bare. And I'm really afraid that as we get near to what looks like they're going to let Kyle Tucker walk, like we're just letting so much talent leave. Um, like we're going to fall off a cliff uh, potentially yeah. if we're not careful. And so, but at the same time, man, like this team's good enough to win a world series and it'd be a shame to, you know, um, just sit on your hands and then get into a playoff series and get knocked out in the ALCS because you come up with a team against a team that's got a dominant SP one and you don't. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I don't now who's going to be available, you know, that could fit that category. I don't know, honestly, like, yeah. There might not really be a dominant starting pitcher one available to you. You may have to just, you know, settle for, you know, maybe a, a depth guy or something like that. Um, yeah, I, I don't personally think – I don't see a world where there is a SP1 available, nor one – even if there was one, one that we could actually, like, offer anything for that, that we could really secure right. or anything like that. In my mind, you're looking to replace the production of Luis Garcia, who was a really, really good three, four starter. Um, yeah. And if you could find a guy that could replace the the production of Garcia, you're in good shape, especially if Fromber keeps pitching like he's pitching, because you talk about letting guys walk. Fromber's about to price himself out of the Astros budget, too, if he keeps pitching the way he's pitching. He had that one bad start, but that's because they made him wear the Space City uniform, and that's on them. That's not on Fromber. <laughs> um, and then Christian Javier, he's been good, but he hasn't been himself yet. He hasn't been the dominant Christian Javier we we know he's capable of. So I fully right. expect Christian Javier to to start pitching like an ace as well by the end of the season too. And yeah. so whenever both of those guys are on, and we have a one-two punch of ace Christian Javier and Fromber Valdez and you could find a solid three, four starter to go behind Hunter Brown, who's looking like a rookie mm -hmm. of the year candidate. Mm -hmm. um, that's a good rotation with an amazing lights out bullpen behind it. Um, yeah. Losing Luis Garcia was a huge blow. It was a huge blow because we were going to be set up for a lot of success with that yeah. rotation. And if you could find a guy that can just pitch as well as Garcia, which I think is possible, I think we'd be in good shape. Yeah. 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 It's, it's um, you know, it's a tough spot to be in because you know we don't we don't really have the ability to go get a top line starter. But uh, you know, I, I think if the price is right and you can pry away, you know, like uh, I don't know, like somebody like oh man, I'm just trying to think of some names that are going to be available. Like Brad Keller from the Kansas City Royals, you know, has pitched really well in the past. Like that could be a guy that you can catch lightning in a bottle with. Uh, just names like that that could be a solid three or four guy. Uh, even like a Lucas Giolito, you know, potentially. Like he's a guy that is inconsistent, but when he's on, he can pitch like an ace. Like he can give you games where he can come out and throw seven innings, yeah. no runs and three hits, right? Uh, but then he can also come out and throw, you know, three and two thirds and give up, you know, seven earned runs and, you know, also. So, but I trust the Astros, uh, you know, pitching coaches to be able to get the best out of guys. So I think, you know, targets like that might be worth pursuing. Yeah. And that what you just described about Giolito, that would basically be like bringing McCullers back into the rotation. It's like he can be absolute lights out ace material or he can just implode. 
Um, right, except the difference is that Giolito plays baseball and McCullers doesn't. So, <laughs> oh man, I yeah. I feel bad for the guy. I I really do. I actually, he loves. I don't have anything Houston. against Lance. Yeah, he's a. I like Lance, yeah, but it's dude can't play. He can't stay healthy. So, you know, sucks, man. This is what it is. Yeah. Well, hopefully, I I didn't even think about this the other day, but Hunter Brown really is kind of distinguishing himself as a potential Rookie of the Year candidate. And uh, yeah. if he was able to pull that off, we would get an extra draft pick out of that. So Hunter Brown's doing his part to help build up the farm system around him. He's the future ace of this team, and he wants some Hunter. other co-aces. We yeah. need some draft um, picks, so let's go. We need some draft. We need to make up for lost time. That's um, right. Great. That's right. So let's let's move on a little bit. We were talking about this earlier to the uh, the Rangers, who have mm. you know. I, I feel like it's funny that people are talking about the Rangers. It's so shocking that the Rangers are, you know, all of a sudden so good. I don't know why it's so surprising when they've spent like a billion dollars in the last two years. And like now we're surprised that the Rangers are playing good baseball. You better hope you're playing good baseball after you spend a billion dollars. They do have probably a top two offense in baseball. They are crushing baseballs right now. And they're getting an enormous amount of production out of Nate Evaldi, uh, which is a little bit surprising. I don't think – that's the kind of thing that, by the way, that just makes me irritated. Is like, like we we could have signed a guy like Nate Uvalde in the off season, and instead now if we want to get a guy like that, we got to trade a bunch of prospects to get him. Like, why do teams yeah. wait to the trade the trade deadline to bring in good players when they have to give up prospects for them when they could just sign them as free agents in the off season? Anyways, I digress. Sorry. I felt the same way. I remember when Nathan Evaldi hit the free agent market thinking, you know, he was coming off a couple of like not so great seasons, not bad, but not fantastic. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking he would have been a really, really good option for the Astros to go after to, uh, yep. to replace, you know, not replace Verlander, but bolster our rotation as Fromber and Javier, you know, rose up the ranks to those, those ACE categories. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Sure enough, here he is having an electric season. But between him and so, DeGrom, if DeGrom could actually pitch. So Nate Nate Yavaldi is earning $17 million this year. Rafael Montero is earning $11 million this year. <laughs> so for so only $6 million more, instead of having Montero, you could have Nathan Yavaldi. Just want to say. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's let's do some quick math, right? So uh, Michael Brantley's making twelve million, Rafael Montero's making eleven million, um, Lance McCullers is making seventeen. So forty million dollars for two players that aren't playing, and one that I wish wasn't playing. Hello, Justin. Ver- Hello, Justin Verlander. Yeah. Hello, Justin Verlander. Or and you're not even counting like so the first two names. You've got like just take McCullers out of that, right? So Montero, here's our here's our here's our three big free agent signings for the offseason. Rafael Montero, eleven million. Michael Brantley, twelve yeah. million. Jose Abreu, was it eighteen million for Abreu? So uh, uh, I think it's twenty million AAV or nineteen million, something like okay. that. Okay, so you're yeah, that's, that's like forty one, forty two million dollars that you've spent for a poop sandwich, like. Like, literally, like, you're getting nothing from those guys. Like, I would say Abreu is like a minus. Like, 
if you, if you took Abreu off this team and you put Yuli Gurriel on for the entire season instead, um, we would be way better off. And we would also have spent $18 million less. It's just, man, yeah. I think, honestly, like Jeff Bagwell's tenure as the CEDO GM of the Astros is on par with what Bill O'Brien did to the Houston Texans um, when he traded DeAndre Hopkins for a bag of chips and a bad aging running back uh, named David yeah. Johnson. And then, yeah, just – and then traded, well, you know – Two first round picks for Larry Mutunzel. The the Abreu thing is such a, a dead horse at this point, and but it's just so hard not to talk about it because it's so frustrating. Um, because well, if you talking about if you had a replacement, yeah, and, if you and, had a replacement and, level first baseman that was putting up you know absolutely completely average numbers, uh, league average numbers, or maybe even worse, at the very least we wouldn't have a manager insisting on putting him as high up in the lineup as he can because he's a veteran. Like Mm -hmm. I almost wish we had a rookie first baseman who was putting up really, really pedestrian numbers because at least he'd be batting in the eight hole, you know, uh, and not now six to Dusty's credit. Trivia. Who has more home runs, me or Jose Abreu? Uh, You are both tied. Trick trick question. We're tied. Zero. (laughs) Uh, I do want to throw that out there. I think I sent you a text about this last week. I am putting it on record that I believe that Jose Altuve will hit two home runs before Jose Abreu hits one. Yeah, I don't know how, why. Why wouldn't I believe that? Like, I have Jose Abreu has given no indication that he can hit the ball in the air. So, like, uh, you know, let alone well, hit it over the fence. This is how sad Astros Twitter is right now. I told you I was surfing around and I was looking this morning. I, I didn't watch the second half of the game yesterday, but apparently Abreu kind of got a hold of one, and it would have been out in 20 of 30 ballparks, and everybody's talking about how Abreu's back because he hit a fly ball that would have been a home run in 20 ballparks. <laughs> so we're grasping at straws now with Abreu. We're like, man, he that could have been something. People are hopeful, I guess. I mean, mm-hmm. I hope he figures something out, man, because it'd be nice if he was just like, even like, all right. You know, if he was all right, like that would help. But he's been horrible. So, anyways, uh, we got way sidetracked. I'm sorry, that's probably my fault. But we were talking about the Rangers, and you're, yeah. So obviously, the Rangers are performing really well right now, and apparently, you have some stacks stats to back up your case of why they might be a legitimate threat to the Astros this year. So. What yeah. are these stats? Well, let me let me put a caveat on it because you did kind of hint at, you know, in a best of seven series, you would take the Astros. And I agree with that. So if there happens to be a matchup in the postseason, I'm still taking the Astros. I'm saying simply for the division. I think it is not impossible that the, the Rangers actually win the division this year. Uh, not even yeah. saying it's likely, but I, I don't think it's impossible. Um, and it's mainly because of this offense that they have. This is mostly without Corey Seager, uh, who's just now returned, and he's returned with a vengeance. You know, their top guys are kind of coming out of nowhere. Marcus Simeon is putting up MVP numbers right now. He's batting 296 with an 859 OPS, 490 slugging, got eight home runs and 40 RBIs. You've got Adolis Garcia, 
49 RBIs and 14 home runs with a 829 OPS uh, and mm-hmm. 516 slugging. Uh, Josh Young is hitting like a freaking – he's going off. Jonah Heim from the catcher position is one of the best offensive catchers in the game right now. Uh, and then Corey Seager is back in the game. He's hitting 343 with a 1.031 OPS. He's got a 614 slugging and a 417 OBP. So their offense is firing on all cylinders. And they've got other guys that are producing at a high level as well. I mean, Nathaniel Lowe, 286 batting average, 825 OPS. They're mashing. Um, yeah. And then their rotation is getting it done. So they're they're a good baseball team this year. Are they built to sustain this? It's yet to be determined. I don't know. But, man, they're playing good, good ball at the moment. Um, yeah. And if you look at that, contrasting to what, you know, the Astros are doing, Jordan Alvarez is obviously our best hitter, hitting 293, 997 OPS, 12 home runs, 46 RBIs. So he's having kind of the same offensive season right now as Adolis Garcia. And that's kind of stunning that Adolis Garcia is hitting like Jordan Alvarez right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just looking at their their lineup. I, this was standing out to me the other day, like they're slugging percentage you know, as a team is really impressive they're slugging 456 as a team yeah. and the astros are slugging 379 uh the rangers mm-hmm. team ops is just under 800 796 astros are just under 700 at 694 yikes uh so that i mean they're 100 points higher in ops out of uh players with at least 100 at bats uh, the Rangers have seven players with an OPS over 800, and the Astros have two. That would be Jordan and Kyle Tucker. And Kyle Tucker is barely over 800. He's at 813 right now. So, um, I mean, yeah, like they've just got guys that you wouldn't expect, like crushing the ball, like like Ezekiel Duran. Like who is Ezekiel Duran and how yep. did he slug 515 so far? You know, guys like that. Leody Tavares is slugging yep. eight, or his OPS is 810. Like, Leody Tavares has a 434 slugging percentage. Man, that's higher than, like, way higher than Bregman, way higher than Abreu, higher than Corey Jolks, Jake Myers, Martin Maldonado, Chaz McCormick, like, basically everybody on our team. So, yep. you know, like Leody Tavares. So I I don't know what they're I don't know what they're feeding those dudes in Arlington, but they're clearly got some. It got some feels power. like a perfect storm. They they signed some huge free agents, and then their young guys are coming into their own all at the right time. So yeah, but the some Rangers, of them are like like Jonah Heim, like is just random, you know, like. Nobody was expecting anything. And Leody Tavares has been around for a while too. And he's just kind of been a replacement level player. Like, and it's like all of a sudden, oh, you know what? I think I know what it is. The Rangers are taking steroids. You think that's it? I think so. They're like, I think they're, dang, I think they're a bunch ain't of... gonna cheat better. We're gonna cheat. We're gonna out cheat them. I'll tell you what. I think they're a bunch of cheaters. That's what I think. <laughs> well, the Yankees are cheaters. They've been caught for uh, sticky substances multiple times this season, but yeah. the uh, media doesn't seem to care about that. Uh, I digress. Uh, Aaron Boone right. is I'd still like... throwing temper tantrums and getting tossed out of games all the time. 
he's been tossed three three times in the last ten days. I think is what I heard. Yeah, yeah. The only manager worse in baseball is Scott Service. He's the only one that mm-hmm. cries more than Aaron Boone. Man, yeah, Scott Service is definitely uh, not biggest a... crybaby in baseball. Yeah, definitely. And he also likes to start like drama on purpose. Yep. 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 Uh, I want to move on to uh, to talking about the Astros manager, Dusty Baker. We uh, we okay. said we were going to do our best to to talk about the bright side of Dusty. If if Dusty was a was a genius in everything he's doing with this Abreu nonsense and whatnot, like what is what do we think Dusty's trying to do? He's finally moved Jose Abreu down in the six hole. He's put Jeremy Pena in the two hole where he's always belonged. He's doing these things. Why did he wait so long to do it? Was he just sort of experimenting, tinkering around? He knew he had a good team and he knew he had, you know, the first quarter of the season to see if he could extract something out of the team that was unpredictable. I, I don't is Dusty doing anything right? Because I I've been very critical of Dusty and it's hard for me to imagine that he is, but I want to look at the bright side of Dusty. I'm sure he's doing some things right. I think his strength is probably uh, just his ability to manage a clubhouse and relate to the players and, you know, um, like keep their confidence up. You know, obviously, like, I think that's what he was trying to do with Abreu is, you know, trying to show confidence in him, you know, show him respect, things like that. I, I get it. I just feel like it it drug on way too long and i think dusty tends to like i don't know just put kind of like he'll he puts too much stock into things like past performance or seniority like like as if jose abreu earned the right to hit in the four hole even though he couldn't you know you know hit you know in the broad side of a barn like he just he's been terrible and at some point yeah. you're you're hurting the entire team by keeping him there. And so, but I mean, I, I see what Dusty's trying to do. And I'm sure that there's some like um there there are some positive effects that it has on the team that can't be measured statistically, you know, just in terms of morale and things like that. Obviously, they won a World Series last year. Um, so you know, as far as the relational side of things goes, that's probably what he brings to the table. I just think strategically. I I just find myself really questioning a lot of the moves that he makes, uh, and it doesn't seem to make sense. Like there's no rhyme or reason a lot of times. Like like he he seems stubborn and kind of prideful, and like he's got his he's like set, an old man set in his ways. Like he's just decided like like come hell or high water, I'm gonna find a way to make sure I don't have a lefty back to back in the lineup. Even doesn't matter what the splits say. Doesn't matter that Jordan and Tucker hit lefties really well. I'm still gonna, you know, doggone it. I'm gonna stick somebody in between them, you know, unless I absolutely yeah. am forced not to. And I don't understand that. It just seems like prideful stubbornness to me. So, yeah, I mean, it's as a just like a fan of the game and and generally just wanting to see like good baseball. Uh, it's sad that, like you said, Kyle Tucker. It feels like is not going to be a lifelong Astro. Uh, so we have these few precious years where we could have Jordan Alvarez and Kyle Tucker batting back-to-back, like one of the most lethal three-fours in the game. 
and Dusty just won't let us have it for more than a couple games. And it works, and you put them back-to-back, and we win a lot of ball games, and then he inevitably changes things up. And, you know, Bregman in the five uh, or in the four-hole, a 2019 Bregman would have been a great four-hole hitter. Uh, yeah. I don't know if 2023 Bregman is a great four-hole hitter. Um, I'm glad that Jeremy Pena is in the two-hole. That seems to be where Jeremy play, – he plays like a borderline all-star in the two-hole. I don't know why, but he does. He plays great baseball there. Um, and so, I, I don't know, man. It, like you said, it's it's understandable because I guess guys will press a lot when they feel like if they're not performing, they're going to get moved down. Then they start pressing and they start playing bad. But there is a, a moment, I feel like, for a guy like Abreu. Um, he knows that he's not playing well. And at some point, is it a bigger shot to your confidence to keep coming up short in those big moments than it would be to just get sent down in the lineup with less pressure and kind of work on your swing in the eight, seven or eight hole and like not be in those high leverage moments anymore? Like, I, I almost no. feel like that would be better for his confidence at this point than continually grounding out in the double plays in the four hole and RBI opportunities. Like, that's got to suck. That's got to be bad for your confidence. And it's bad for the team. Like it's it's just bad for the team when you've got you know a guy coming up with runners on base in so many key situations and he continues to ground into double plays. So good news is he just got on base um, because of a throwing error on the shortstop. He grounded it to the shortstop, and uh, but we're up two to nothing. Jeremy Pena hit a two run home run, so that's good. So no, we're by the way for those of us in the two hole, in the two hole, yeah. So for those of you who are listening, we're recording this right now. The Astros just started their af- Saturday afternoon game against the uh, the Oakland A's. So uh, hopefully should be uh, another easy W for us today. So, yeah. Man, it, it actually, the more I think about this Pena thing, and, and I do want to touch on it really quickly, him and the two-hole, because you and I have texted about this a lot and just how that's where he should be. If you look at the stats, and this is where I wonder if Dusty ever looks at stats. Like, does he look at the splits with Jordan and, and Tucker against lefties? Does he look at the splits of, like, Jeremy Pena in the two-hole versus not in the two-hole? Uh, it makes sense because Pena, kind of his kryptonite is that slider that he'll chase outside of the zone. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he's batting two right behind Jose Altuve and in front of Jordan Alvarez and, you know, Bregman and Tucker, like, he's going to get pitches to hit. And when Jeremy Pena sees balls in the zone, he can hit. His only problem is he chases. Um, And if you can put him in a position like that where he's going to get balls to hit, he's got the ability to just smoke the ball. And so Mm -hmm. it it shouldn't be a wonder that Pena plays better baseball in that position. Like, Pena, there's no excuse for Pena not to be in the two-hole. That's where he belongs in this lineup. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think the, the statistics, you know, bear that out. Uh, I think the eye test, you know, shows that it, it just makes sense philosophically. So, you know, hopefully uh, Dusty will keep him there now, now that, you know, um, I think hopefully this will be a line of construction that will produce some results and Dusty will decide to go ahead and keep him there. But, yeah, I think. Not to mention he's fast. He's like one of the faster guys on the team. And, you know, right. you got Jordan and Tucker coming up. And, you know, even if Pena's on first base, he could score from first base with mm-hmm. the power that, that Pena and, and – or that uh, Alvarez and, and Tucker have. So Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, last couple of things I want to touch on before we wrap up today. Uh, 
first of all, I just wanted to apologize personally uh, to Jake Myers for everything that I said to him uh, <laughs> and about him in, in the beginning of the season. Uh, Jake Myers has really turned into the 2021 Jake Myers again, and that's really, really cool to see. It creates some interesting discussions about what we're going to do with our outfield depth kind of towards the trade deadline. Um, you know, who gets to be the everyday center fielder, especially with Dubon being what he's doing. Like, is there any excuse to put Dubon in center field at this point? But also, you know, where do you put Dubon without Tuve back in the lineup? So we have good problems now because guys like Jake Myers have stepped up. I yep. wanted to apologize to Jake, but also partially take credit for Jake getting it together because I feel like when I criticize guys, they usually start playing really well, which is why yep. we keep criticizing Abreu because we know uh, the more we do that, the more likely he is to be a perennial all-star all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I wanted to say here's, that. here's my thing on Dubon. Great story. Having a good season. Like it. Dubon is still a utility guy. Dubon has a 700 OPS. That's fine. Fine, right? Uh, his on-base percentage is 322. Um, but he's, you know, like, he's batting 290 this year, which is great. Uh, but that's been starting to come down. It's probably going to regress to the mean. He'll probably end up with a batting average in the 250s or 260s by the time the year's over, maybe 270s, right? Um, and, you know, with an on-base percentage around 320, 325, something like that. And that's great, but you don't need to like try to, you know, bend over backwards to figure out ways to have Dubon in the everyday lineup. I just don't think he's that kind of player. Like, like, honestly, uh, I would rather have Jake Myers in the lineup on a regular basis because you're going to get more pop with Jake Myers. Um, he can, you know, his, his, his slugging percentage is going to be higher. His, his OPS is, you know, Jake's OPS is 740 right now. And I think that's something he can maintain. Uh, and then obviously Chaz. Uh, you know, can play good defense and gives you some pop as well. So, um, yeah, I just think Dubon's a bench player. Yeah, and and I hope he's able to continue to hit well from the bench because part of the, I think my concern with Dubon is that maybe those consistent abs were the thing that unlocked his consistency and his his playing abilities that he's showcased this season. And mm-hmm. I, I worry that he's going to cool off a lot. He's going to be a lot less valuable of a player when he's not getting consistent abs. But yeah. You know, he, he does fit that utility role well. Uh, it's nice to have a bench for once that you can rely on. To have Dubon and, and Corey Jolks seems to do a really good job spot starting in left field and coming off the bench even. Like, mm-hmm. you actually feel confident in in this bench, which is something mm-hmm. we couldn't have said for the last several seasons. We've had a pretty shallow yeah. bench over the last few years. But yeah. That's nice to see. Uh, and, and that's thanks to guys like Jake Myers stepping up and figuring it out, even with a lot of scrutiny and – Adjusting yep. his game, which is is cool. You know, he changed his swing. He changed his uh, mechanics, and, and it worked. Yep. Um, that's that's mainly, I think, what I, what I wanted to touch on today. And, you know, uh, Phil Maton was one of the last things I think I wanted to talk about. And he's just been phenomenal. I, I can't get over how amazing Phil Maton's been post-locker uh, punch gate. Um, yeah. And... Montero, uh, you know, we could talk about him for a long time, and, and I think a lot of people have. I don't think Montero's the worst pitcher in the world. I think he's probably a really, really bad option as a setup guy. So maybe we should start throwing him in games where we're winning 12 to nothing against the Brewers instead of the next day when yeah. we're losing 2-0 and then he gives up four 
five, six runs. Um, yeah, well, but, hopefully you know, we're just hopefully he can get some work. Hopefully he can get some work today against the A's, and we're able to put up some some runs on on him, and then he can he can get some work in in the seventh inning or eighth inning after Fromber deals seven innings, no runs, four hits, no walks. Um, so that's that's what I'm going to call for Fromber today. Yep. Yeah. Well, man, I think that uh, that wraps yeah. up this episode, and, and it Wait. was a good good discussion about the team. I, I think we have a positive outlook overall, and we'll uh, we'll get back to this here in in a couple weeks and and review the team all over again. Awesome. sounds good. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, make sure uh, if you haven't yet to subscribe to the Stros Bros so that you can catch the episodes whenever they do come out. Uh, leave some comments in the YouTube section. If you got questions, things you think we should talk about. Uh, or if you just want to tell us, hey, we like the podcast, uh, that can always help make it a little more visible so that other, other Astros fans can follow along and listen. Well, we appreciate you guys joining us today, and we'll see you next time for another episode of the Stros Bros. Go Stros. Go Stros. <laughs>